If you've got your Bibles this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter number 49. The book of Genesis, chapter number 49. We're quickly coming to the close of this wonderful book. It's been a journey, has it not? Over four years walking through this wonderful book of beginnings, this book of origins that tells us about the origin of the universe, the origin of sin and death, the origins of civilization, the broken relationships between the Creator and the created. And it begins to lay out God's plan for salvation for that broken relationship. This book takes us all the way from in the beginning to God's plan of salvation statement made by Joseph when he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's really just Romans 8.28 stated in narrative form in the Old Testament that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. You see, as we've walked through this book of Genesis, there's been a whole lot of times that things looked Pretty bad, did they not? I mean, here they are, they're on the earth and the flood comes and the next thing you know, the whole earth's covered with water and it doesn't look like anybody's going to survive, but God had a plan and he worked all of that out so that Noah and his family would be saved and that they would begin to fill the earth and that through Noah, this lineage of the Savior would come. Well, now God has called a people from whom the Savior will come, Abraham, Isaac, and then on to Jacob, and we're once again this morning in the closing moments of that old saint of God, Jacob, who is now Israel, the prince of God, this man who had been the deceiver, who's now been called of God to lead his people, who is now changed to the prince of God. As we said last week, if you'll remember, we did a funeral. Hopefully, everybody here remembers that, that Jacob had made preparations for this moment that he now faces. You see, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. The most important thing that any of us could do, because the Bible says that life is like grass, it's like a vapor, it's like a breath, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow, is to make preparations for eternity when we will stand before God and give an account of our lives. There's really only two days on anybody's calendar, today and that day. And God gives us today to make preparations for that day that is to come. And the question we've got to ask is, today God's given you. Are you going to use it to make preparations for that day? So we've got Jacob, this prince of God who wrestled with the Almighty, prevailed, received the blessing. He gathers his 12 sons uh, around him. And he, he, he speaks his last words to these 12 boys, these 12 sons of his. Uh, and he gives them words that are very important. You see, anybody's last words are very important. I told Miss Pat as I was leaving her uh, just the other day, if I don't see you again on this side of eternity, if Jesus calls you to heaven and you beat me there, I'll see you over there. Well, see, she had spoken those last words to me, and they were very important to me. And they're words that I'll cherish uh, when Jacob's gathered here with his sons, these are not the words of somebody who hadn't thought this thing out and planned this thing out. No, they were very important to him. They were very important to his sons. And hopefully they will be very important to us. He gathers these boys around him. He 
gives them his testimony, and then he begins to prophesy and lays out what the future holds for them. The Bible says in Rome, tells us in Romans 8, chapter 1, that there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. One of the greatest things we can get out of this chapter uh, 49 is that when Jacob's telling these boys what they've done and what their future blessings will be, I'm going to tell you some of them are downright awful. I mean, it's bad. It, it, and especially in Judah's life, it probably couldn't get any worse. But the key thing in all of that is Jacob says, you're still part of the family. And for us this morning, we need to understand that there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible records in chapter 49, beginning at verse 1. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. So here's Jacob gathered his sons around, and he's going to tell them what's going to happen to them in the days uh, to come. But not only does it refer to the days to come in their particular life, but the days to come in our lives, thousands of years later, Jacob makes a prophecy that is important to us here today. The words that we read about uh, this morning, uh, these prophetic words, one of the things that just struck me, I never realized that Jacob was a prophet. I mean, he was one of the fathers of the faith. He was one of those that were called by God. But he was also a prophet who predicted and foretold the future of what God was going to do in revealing his plan of salvation. So he was going to reveal the future. His words to his son was going, sons were going to serve as a warning to us today against sin to motivate us to godly living and to foreshadow the life and ministry of of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah that he had promised all the way back in Genesis chapter number 3. There's at least two lessons for us today from this chapter, and I hope I can bring those out uh, to us this morning. There's way more than two, church, way more than two. Study this thing yourself and see the truths that God reveals in Genesis 49, but at least two this morning that are very practical for the here and now, but also a, a truth or a lesson that is very practical for eternity and the future. Number one, for the here and now, lesson number one, our actions in this life really do matter. Not just for us, but for those around us and for those who may yet be unborn. Our actions, how we live our life, how we conduct ourselves, what we do for the Lord matters. And it, it, it matters in, and it's like ripples in a pond when you throw a rock. Those things begin to ripple out and they have an effect much greater and much further than anything we could possibly imagine. Jacob reveals that to his sons. His three oldest sons are disinherited for their unfaithfulness. Look what the Bible says in verses 3 through 7. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. Simon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O oh, my soul, come not thou into their secret, under their assembly, mine honor. Be 
not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they digged down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Well, Jacob begins with Reuben, and he disinherits him, and he says, Reuben, you've sinned against me and against God, and because of that, you're my firstborn, and you're my strength, but you're going to lose the rewards that would have been yours if you had have lived your life in the right way. You see, God tells us in His Word that if we live in such a way uh, that brings Him glory and honor, that we can receive war rewards in the hereafter. But if we don't do that, then even the Christian, even those that are in the family, can lose those rewards. Well, we know that Reuben is probably the least known of the tribes of Israel. He didn't receive his double portion of the inheritance. He didn't receive his double portion of the spiritual blessing. Reuben had great gifts, but they were nullified by his ungodly character. And we know from way back in Genesis, we studied through, that Reuben secretly went in and had sexual relations with his father's uh, wife and Jacob found out about this well Reuben may have thought he had gotten away with that thing but it tells us that Jacob heard about it and here Jacob is bringing out the truth and we need to understand something this morning that our sins always find us out and they matter so Jacob brings this out and he says Reuben you can't be and will never be all that God wanted you to be because you did these things well then he moves on to Simeon and Levi biological brother, brothers, but more important, they're two of a kind. You remember over there where they plotted uh, when their sister uh, Dinah was, uh, was taken and sexually assaulted and they used the very symbol of God's blessing upon the people of Israel to trick those, the family members of those people that had abused their sister Dinah. Now, I don't know if they'd have been punishment or retribution just against the guilty if this would be the case, but the fact of the matter is they used subtlety, they used trickery, they used deceitfulness to lure this family in, and in their anger and in their wrath, they slew them, but not just them, their entire family, to the point that they even took their animals and hamstrung those things so that they would be useless and nobody could use them. There's a lesson to be learned there. Anger, uncontrolled and unbridled anger can get a person in trouble. As a matter of fact, I would go and I would say something uh, like this. Not only will that anger affect the person who is angry, but it affects people around that person. And then that thing ripples out and ripples down, just like it did in the lives of Simeon and Levi, till it affected even those people who are not yet born. I'm going to tell you how this happened. You remember Levi. He became the tribe of the priest, right? He couldn't have an inheritance in Israel, so they didn't own any of the land. Well, Moses was of the tribe of Levi. Hundreds of years later, Moses of the tribe of Levi had inherited all of this anger that had been passed down in this tribe. And Moses, this mighty man of God, had the children of Israel out in the desert, became angry at a rock and smote that rock with a stick. And because of that, God did not let him enter the promised land. Anger can cost us dearly if it's uncontrolled. And that's what we see here. They were angry men. Now I'm going to make a statement this morning. Most anger stems from selfishness. And most of what we call righteous anger is simply ourself not getting our rights and our desires and our wants. 
Simeon and Levi experienced this, they became angry and they caused suffering and chaos amongst those people that were around them. And what this teaches us this morning is our actions matter both in our own blessings and rewards, but they will affect even possibly our descendants for generations to come. The three sons that were disinherited, but there were seven sons who were acceptable and they were given responsibility in 49, chapter 49 verse 13. Uh, Jacob said, Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for an haven of ships, and the bo his border shall be under Zidon. Zebulun later obtained territory, Mediterranean, the Sea of Galilee, and it was a commercial fishing area and a commercial seafaring area in 49, 14, and 14, uh, 15. Issachar, the Bible says, Issachar is a strong donkey couching down between two burdens, and he saw that rest was good, and the land that it was pleasant, and bowed his shoulder to bear, and became a servant under tri tribute. Issachar preferred an agricultural way of life, the Bible tells us. Uh, and he didn't try to re reach political or military uh, the top of the, the hierarchy. He was strong, he was capable, but the Bible also tells us that he was passive and lazy. And uh, because of that, he submitted himself to whoever was in rule at the time. Well, Dan in 49, 16 through 18, he would be a judge and a leader in Israel. The Bible says Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. He shall be a serpent by the way and adder in the path that biteth the horse's uh, heels so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. In verse 19, he tells us about Gad. In verse 20, he tells us about Asher. In 21, about Naphtali. And in 27, uh, verse 27, the seventh acceptable son is his baby boy, Benjamin. Now, I'm not going to read that to you for sake of time this morning, but here's what um, Jacob says to him, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Benjamin, you're fierce. And you're going to be a warrior. And you're going to be like a wild uh, man. And Benjamin, uh, you're going to bring problems for your people uh, because of that. Because you're, you're so fierce and you're so wild. You're so aggressive. And of course we know that Benjamin produced many warriors. The first king of uh, Israel. The first uh, king was of the tribe of uh, Benjamin. So that is exactly what come to pass. All of these blessings that Jacob pronounced upon his son, these prophecies came to pass. And I'm here to tell you something, church. There's a lot of prophecies in the Bible. And, and as far as I know now, Jacob is the first prophet that foretells the future. But everyone that I've ever read, ever read has come to pass or will come to pass. And as you're sitting here this morning, we need to understand that the words of this book are true. And we need to live by them. Uh, we need to uh, relate to others and to God through the words of this book. He goes on and talks about the two most faithful sons. And they're given greater responsibility, Joseph. We've spent weeks uh, months studying the life of Joseph and how he looks and how he's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what I want to get to this morning, church. I want to get to this person called Judah. Look what the Bible says here in verses 9 through 12. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal under the vine and his donkeys cold under the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. Judah if you'll remember, wasn't exactly a spiritual giant. 
I mean, we talked about how Judah was the one that wanted to sell his brother Joseph into slavery. Reuben kind of stepped in and saved his life, but Judah said, hey, let's go ahead and profit from this thing and let's make us a little money on Joseph. And they sold him into slavery down in Egypt. Judah was the one that later on that says he was running around with the wrong crowd. Remember, we read about that. Not only was he running around with the wrong crowd, he didn't raise his children right, and because of that they were wicked, and God took their lives because of their wickedness. Well, he had this daughter-in-law named Tamar. You remember the story. We spent a couple of weeks talking about it. Well, Jacob began to not trust, I mean, uh, Judah began to not trust God, and he wouldn't give his third son to Tamar, as was the custom of the day and, and the time uh, that they were living in. So he withheld from her what was rightfully hers. And because of that, you know the story, she dressed up like a prostitute, and Judah thought she was a prostitute, and he went in and had relations with her. And because of those uh, relations, she became pregnant. Well, it comes to find out that it gets spread around that she's acting like a, pro a prostitute and she's pregnant and Judah's ready to chop off her head. I mean, he's mad because she's done this wicked deed. But then, lo and behold, guess what? It's revealed that Judah was the one with this prostitute uh, when she got pregnant. And Judah falls down and he says, you're more righteous than me. I'm the one that... Now, what amazes me? You see, this is the prophecy of the coming Savior. This is what Genesis has been leading up to. And the message from chapter 49 this morning is, hey, what we do in this life matters. But listen, there's a Savior coming. The Savior's on His way and God's got a plan and He's going to work all of this out, your mess, my mess, to His glory and for our good. What made Judah so good? He simply repented of the wrong that he had done. He, he, he admitted that, hey, I've done something wrong. And because of that, God kept him in the line of the Savior. So lesson number two is an eternal lesson. The first is very, very practical. What we do in this life matters. But lesson number two is this. There's a Savior coming. And it's going to make what we do in this life not matter so much anymore. You see, the Bible says something like this, that God would take our sin if we'd be like Judah and simply confess those things. And He'd cast them as far as the east is from the west. He'd put them behind His back. He'd take them and put them down into the very bottom of the sea. If we'll simply uh, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that is prophesied and predicted right here in this chapter. If you turn in your Bibles over to Revelation chapter number 5, verse 5, and I don't have time, you can look, read it, what I'm telling you is the truth. It speaks of Jesus as the line of the tribe of Judah. God took this man who had been so wicked and he said, hey, there's coming one from him that'll come this plan that I've laid out since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And listen, he's going to be sovereign and he's going to be your savior. That's what this talks about here this morning. Look what the Bible says. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. What is that scepter that it's talking about there? Well, it's a symbol of power. It's a symbol of authority. And he's saying, listen, there's coming one one day who's going to bear that symbol. And that word Shiloh, it simply means to whom it rightfully 
belongs. You see, all throughout history, there's been men and women that have wielded power and they've wielded authority, but they've never done it rightfully. Why? Because I'm covered in sin, cursed flesh. You're covered in sin, cursed flesh. And the best we can do, we're going to make mistakes, but there's coming one to whom the authority and to whom the power rightfully belongs. Why? Because he's perfect in all his ways. He's sinless, spotless, and he's willing to lay down his life, not for his own sin, but for your sin and for my sin. And when he holds that authority and he wields that power, he's going to do it rightfully because it is to him who it rightfully belongs. And Jacob tells us here in this property that he's coming, he's coming, and he is on his way. It speaks of the sovereignty of this Savior that's going to come to whom it belongs. And listen what the Bible goes on to say here. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. You know what? We know how God called out from, carved out from him for himself this people over there that's been persecuted all throughout history. People have tried to destroy them. Adolf Hitler did the very best he could, but they got a nation over there and a land over there, and they're still occupying that land to this day and that's what he's talking about here but he's also talking about something far 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 greater if you'll turn over there in the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 the Bible tells us that there's coming a day when the trump of God will sound there's coming a day when the angel's going to give a shout and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain We'll be caught up together with them in the air. So those that are in the graves are going to be gathered unto His people. And those that are alive and remaining on the earth will be gathered unto His people. And the whole world will be gathered together and they will bow the knee and they will declare Jesus Christ to be Lord to the glory of God the Father. He speaks of the sovereignty of this line of the tribe of Judah that is to come. But I want to say something else this morning. It also points us to the salvation. Listen, Jesus Christ is coming again and he's coming as judge. And he was crucified once, but he'll never be crucified again. And he's going to judge perfectly and he's going to judge righteously. And if we stand before that judge on our own, we will be found guilty and we will face the punishment for our sins. But he offers us a way out if we'll simply take it. I want to tell you a story and I'm going to close with this. You remember how it says that Benjamin was going to be like a ravenous wolf and fierce? Well, you go on down the line and on down the line, of course we know Saul was like that, but there was this man named Saul of Tarsus. And the Bible tells us over in the book of Philippians that he was of the tribe of Benjamin. And he'd been given letters. You see, Saul was just like that prophecy. He fulfilled that thing. He was ravenous. He was like an animal. He was like a wolf. And his sole uh, mission in life was destroy, to destroy this church that had been founded uh, when Jesus uh, was resurrected from the grave. And he's going to put everything he had in it, and he was pretty good at it. But he was on his way to Damascus one day with letters to bring back Christian believers, put them on trial. The Bible says something like this as he's walking along. There was a light shone from heaven. And there was a voice out of the sky, out of that light that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
And Saul fell onto the ground and said, God, whatever you will for my life, you just tell me and I'll do it. And I know that's paraphrasing, but that's pretty close. And Saul of Tarsus became Paul the apostle. You see, Jacob predicts and prophesies here that Jesus is going to be judged and he's going to rule and reign and wield all power and all authority both in heaven and earth and he's going to be a perfect judge. But I'm going to tell you something. It also tells us that if you're like Saul, you could be here this morning the most wicked person on the face of the earth and if you'll simply fall down on your knees and say, God, here I am. If you'll have me, whatever you tell me to do, I'm placing my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus. There's salvation to be had in this line of the tribe of Judah we don't often think of lions saving us I remember the story uh, what is that the lion, the witch and the wardrobe the Narnia Chronicles and this little girl she walks up to the you know the in the story Aslan he's kind of portrayal of, of the savior of Jesus and he's this big old tough lion and he appears on the scene you know whenever they really need somebody to bail them out they're in trouble I'm going to tell you what our lives are like that. We, when we get ourselves in trouble, and I do, and you do, and everybody that's ever lived in the whole world does, we really need somebody to come and bail us out. We don't need directions. We don't need a teacher because we'll mess it up again. What we need is a Savior, but He's dangerous. This little girl walks up to the creek, and she's thirsty, and she's been on the run for some time, and there stands the lion, Aslan, straddling the creek. And she gets up there, and she's scared. She don't want to go down and get a drink of water. He said, come on, little girl, get you a drink. And she said, oh, I'm too scared to come down there and get a drink. He said, why are you scared, little girl? She said, you're a lion and, and you're dangerous. And he said, I know I'm dangerous. I kill and eat little girls like you. And, but I want you to come down and get you a drink of water. And if you'll come down to this line that's dangerous, who destroys men and women like me and you, and he will destroy you, I'm going to tell you what, but he'll make you into a new creature for the glory of God. And that's what he's telling us this morning. He's dangerous. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, but there's salvation to be had in him. And ain't one of us going to get out of this world alive. It's more dangerous without him. And he's going to ask you to do great things. He's going to ask you to go to places you'd never want to go. He's going to ask you to do things that you think you're too scared right now to do. He's going to ask you to perform things that you say there's no way in this world I can do. And he says, yes, they're going to be dangerous, but if you'll simply follow me, I'll call you to something greater than you ever dreamed possible. What's his name? Jacob said his name was the lion of the tribe of Judah, the worst of the brothers who was willing to repent. Out of him, God called a Savior to save anybody and everyone who will call on him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And God, I thank you out of this chapter of the book of Genesis that God, we can know and understand that yes, our Actions in this life have consequences. God, your word tells us that we're not to be deceived, that you're not mocked. Whatsoever we sow, that shall we also reap. But God, you also tell us that if we sow to the flesh, we'll reap corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit, we'll reap life everlasting. And God, I pray that as your people here today, gather that father our hearts would be on you and sowing unto life God I want to be like Joseph 
trusted you. But Lord, I also want to be like Judah because I've messed up. God, help me and everyone here to simply repent and say I got it wrong and receive the blessing. But just like Jacob predicted so long ago, the Savior has come. His name was Jesus. And Father, there may be somebody here today that needs to accept that gift of eternal life, that gift of forgiveness, that gift of salvation. Father, I pray that you'd help that person just to simply stand up and come down and say, Keith, I want what you talked about this morning. I want to do greater things for the glory of God than I ever dreamed possible. But to do that, you've got to be on the same side. So help that person this morning have the courage and conviction to stand up and say, I need Jesus. And do it for your glory. For our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.